No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. It is the first Saturday of 2020. Hope everyone had an awesome New Year's, wonderful Christmas or other holidays. And it's time to start thinking about taxes. Tax forms will start be arrived well, in the next couple of weeks. You'll start getting them. Just a note of interest. Most people do not have to have those tax forms to you until the last day of January. And brokers, like your your Ameritrade and them, have until February 15th. And theoretically, they have to have them in the mail by February 15th, which means they have 21 days to actually don't ask why the mail is moving so slow, but 21 days to get it into your hands. So, you know, don't be surprised if you don't have everything by the first or second week of January. Employers do have till January 31st to get you a copy of your W-2. Now, I do know that there are uh, some people that can take their final paycheck stub um, and, and prepare taxes. We've never been big on that in our office, but most of the time we don't have to do that. Tax season officially opens as far as being able to uh, get e-files accepted by the IRS on January 21st. So again, you still have a couple more weeks before that's going to happen. You can start getting your tax documents. Right now is a great time to kind of sit down on a quiet weekend Get a pen and paper out or get yourself a manila envelope uh, and put on there. Did you work multiple jobs? Are you looking for more than one W-2? Did you take any money out of a retirement account? Did you go gambling to get any W-2Gs? These are things that you you want to kind of have a list so you know when everything's in there. Sure, it's easy. If I worked one job, I didn't take any money out of retirement, I didn't borrow any money, I didn't refinance, I didn't do anything but just work one job – all I have is one W-2. Well, that envelope probably would not be necessary. But if you're a husband and wife and you've got multiple jobs, you've got childcare, you've got um, college uh, interest, all these different things happening, you are going to want to make sure that you don't forget something. Because trust me, Uncle Sam will be more than glad to tell you when you miss it and then charge you a penalty for failure to claim all of your income so it's a very very important thing if you've got questions you guys the show is open phone lines are open 615-737-9986-615-737-9986 i've got some great news um congress or they have agreed to um extend some of um the extenders have that were lapsed in 2017 and 2018. So here could lead to you amending your 2018. They have um, just among these breaks was the mortgage insurance write-off has been extended now until 2020. The deduction for college tuition, some of the people weren't qualified or wasn't being able to take that. If you did and you were qualified, uh, uh, the $2 billion exclusion for forgiven debt on a home. That was kicked back in. The 7.5 uh, threshold for your Medicare was slashed up to 10. Now it's back down to 7.5. Um, some excise tax, some beer and spirit taxes. So if you had normally um, taken some of these deductions, keep in mind you might need to revisit your 2018 tax return because they have now, just now, backdated it for 2017 and 2018 and moving forward. So these would be good things to do. I think they expired in 17, and they did not renew them until now for 18. All right, let's go to the phones. Hey, Bruce. 
Hi. Hi. I have payroll deduction for a Roth IRA. Okay. And I, I know on the tax form it says if you have out-of-pocket IRA, that's deductible. Does this qualify as being deductible? No. The, the beauty of a Roth IRA is that it's not tax-deferred. It grows tax-free. So you put in after-tax dollars and it grows tax-free. So when you take the money out, when you get old enough and hit retirement, you will not have to do required minimum distributions and any money you take out will not be taxed. But it is not going oh. to come against your tax return. Okay. Okay. That's what I needed to know. Now, let me, just Thanks in case, much. really quick, and, and Bruce, I don't know if this will apply, sure. I don't know how much money you make, but there is still a tax savers credit if you're under 50000 for a married couple and under like thirty. And again, I don't know if it applies in you, but anyone that is listening and you do contribute to a Roth, it would hit the savers credit, but it will not reduce your taxes for the reason Bruce called, which was uh, deferring okay. income. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Great. Uh-huh. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So, again, um, when a lot of times when I tell people it doesn't affect their taxes, it does if you are in a lower income bracket and you're contributing to uh, retirement, we still have a savers credit on the books, and that would be something that might apply to you. Big news for seniors, 65 and older, they have a new tax form. Because we didn't get enough tax forms already, let's add a few more to the table, right? So now we have a 1040SR. Uh, beginning 2019, it has the same items and schedules as the 1040, but it is in a larger print text. Helpful um, to it, the chart of the accounts or the standard deduction is designed for people over the age of 65, which means it's already got the step up in basis. Um, and uh, filing SR isn't mandatory, though. Just keep in mind that is not a mandatory situation um, if you're filing your own taxes. And sometimes, you know, let's get serious. When we get a little older, sometimes it's nice to have larger print. Now, I will say if you're using the regular tax forms on a computer, obviously the print can be adjusted, but they have uh, tried to make it a little user-friendly for people that these are people that have to be 65 and older uh, to file this. So if you're married to someone that's younger than you, it has to be both people on the return, 65 and older. Um, So there's not a, uh, there is a few changes, guys, I want to start talking about on the 20. Um, 19 tax forms. 2018, as you know, we ended up with uh, five schedules, one, two, three, four, five, made some changes on the 1040, supposedly made it the size of a postcard. So a couple things that they added. Um, they're adding a new line on the front of the 1040 for capital gains and losses. So that's going to be, uh, they're also separating pensions and annuities from the IRA distributions um, that kind of got put together on the same line last year, eliminating the checkbox for full year health coverage. Now that the individual mandate is gone, let me say that again, the individual mandate ended as of 12, 31, 18. So all of 19, we don't really have to care if you have health insurance, unless you're self-employed and it's a tax deduction, or if you have medical expenses and part of that is out of pocket health insurance, then that may be the reasons to do that. Um, there is, um, they also, uh, whittled the attached schedules from six to three. So instead of one, two, three, four, five, six. We're going to have only three attached forms. Um, and then, of course, required filers who deduct alimony or report alimony income on Schedule 1, um, they have to give the date that the divorce degree was signed. Again, if you were divorced last year or any time in 2019, pretty much, you will not be getting an alimony deduction and you will not be picking it up. But all the people that divorced prior to that, you will still have the same tax laws we've always had. The person paying the alimony will deduct it. The person receiving it will have to 
keep it, uh, pay taxes on it. Um, there's also an additional question on Schedule 1, which is about virtual currency. So there's going to be some more questions on that. Whenever we do offer and compromises, which is an enrolled agent, that's what I do, right? I deal all the time with the IRS helping people either negotiate, make payment plans, become non-collectible. And one of the questions that came out in the new offer and compromise paperwork was virtual currency. Do you have any? Do you have, you know, have you invested in it? All that kind of question because they want to make sure people aren't hiding their assets someplace outside of the normal places because at this point there's still some hiding places out there and if you lie well then obviously you're going to get yourself in trouble sooner or later because just like banks and everything else there is becoming more and more regulation within the virtual currency world all right let's hit bill before the break hey bill hey how are you doing today? i am awesome how about you good happy new year uh i'm good hey my wife my wife works and she makes uh, a nice salary mm-hmm. but i'm on disability okay uh does it would it pay for us to file jointly and get that to what twenty four thousand or something? Most likely or, not, because unless yours is military disability, but if it's just regular Social Security disability, that becomes income. So eighty five percent of that would become taxed. Um, okay. So All the right. savings that you would be, I mean, I would try it both ways just to see. But my answer initially would be normally better file married filing separately in that situation. Okay. Thank you very much. No I appreciate worries. you. Thanks, mate. Bye. Right. Bye. All right. Um, Taking your calls here, we are talking about taxes. So if you want to reach the studio, 615-737-9986. Guys, there are no silly or stupid questions. A lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want to call. I don't want to sound dumb. A, we don't write down your names. We don't really know. You can say your name is Joe Smo. It doesn't make a difference. Secondly, when you ask a question on our radio show, there are a lot of people that are really just too afraid to call. I was one of those. Trust me. If I had done this like nine years ago, I had never called a radio station i had never done anything i mean i listen a lot of times you're like in your car and you're like yelling at it or you're answering the questions but i would have never thought to call so it takes a lot of nerve for someone to pick up the phone and call a radio station and when you ask those questions you're helping other people that are listening so feel free to join our show 615-737-9986 ask some questions get the ball rolling get the things thinking because when we get ready to do taxes Last thing you want to do is either make a mistake, have to amend, do something different. So if you can ask the question, and again, every answer I give isn't going to apply to every single person, right? I mean, every one of you guys are different and unique and your finances are different. But if I can get you in the right place, have you guys doing something different, then that would be the kind of thing that I want you to do. I want you to have at least to the best of our ability the answer or where to go for it or if you need to make an appointment, whatever it might be to do that. But you need to have the ability to do that kind of situation so that you can – Make sure you're making the right choices and make sure that the information you're getting is going in the right direction. Because let's be honest, if you Google everything, sometimes you may get answers that don't apply to you. So you need to make sure you understand where you're going and what you're doing. And I can say my listeners are awesome. My phone lines just lit up like crazy. All right, we're going to go to Ken. Hey, Ken. Hi. Um, Thanks for taking my call. I have a quick question about how to keep accurate records for mileage. And uh, so that's kind of one of my New Year's resolutions is make sure everything gets marked down. But sometimes, like, I'm on a trip. Let's say I'm going to Franklin from Hendersonville, uh-huh. and I uh, make a little detour to pick up some coffee at McDonald's or something. Obviously, I've had two purposes for the trip. I mean, do I have to, like, every tiny little detail, every little jag in my, my route um, deduct? Uh, it, it just seems like it's it, impossible yeah. to have. It, what they're looking for, truly, I mean, something like that where you're pulling over and having lunch or breakfast on your way down to an appointment or on the way back up, 
in most cases, I've never had a revenue officer question that. What they don't want is you to go by the school, pick up your child, take them to soccer parks, and then get back on route to go to the office, right? Um, that right. miles would be more personal use. Basically, you're in route for food or something like that, stopping to get Petro. Those things are none um, a problem. It's just the, 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 the vision is what's the purpose and the biggest thing that people have. So mileage IQ is what I use. I don't do a ton of miles any longer, but when I first started, I used to do a ton of them. But mileage IQ is what I use, which I love is because every time I stop and start, it basically allows me to put for business or for personal and then who's it for. So if I'm going to go see my, my banker for the office for my business account, I can put those miles in as business and put in there what the purpose of the, the trip was. Otherwise, in my case, most of mine's personal nowadays, but that's what you need to not just, they want beginning miles, ending miles, purpose of trip. And who did you see? That's the questions right. they're going to ask you. So if you can use a calendar system or a um, electronic system or just good old fashioned manual, you know, here's my starting miles for yeah. the day and, and just write in there if it's, but if you are a person that has 15 different trips in one day, sometimes keeping it manually can be a lot of work, you know? Um, app? But, Is that an app you can get on your phone? Yes. Mileage IQ. And I'm not an advocate guys. You probably can Google a different other ones. I just happen to start with that one and I know it works. Um, but you know. Of my my trips that I make, let's say I have to go 50 miles, I might do like a 10-mile detour to pick something up at Walmart or something. So in that case, let's say I do several things. Should I just put beginning mileage and then add 50 miles to it to exclude the extra miles? Well, that's what it you can, can get do. so complicated. Because, yeah, exactly. So if you kept it like in a calendar, Ken, what you, all I would do is put, you know, from – Say your home is your home office, right? And you're going to my yeah. office in Brentwood. So whatever the distance between your office and mine would be the trip. No matter what your thing said, that would be a legitimate trip. And then, okay. you know, I even if it, it took you 100 miles to get there because you did this, 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 and this, it doesn't make a difference. We're 50 miles apart, and that would be the 50 miles one way. And then, obviously, return trip would be the full trip. So you get 100 miles in That's that scenario. Lot. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. I, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks, mate. I appreciate okay. it. Okay, bye. Okay, I'm going to ask you guys to hold. I've got Jim, Elizabeth, and Mike. If you can hold through this break, I can spend the time. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. Michael, Elizabeth, and Jim for holding through, and it looks like, Michael, you were on hold the longest. Hey, Mike. Yes. What can I do for you, Mike? Sixty. Uh, I appreciate you taking my call. I'm uh, 61 years old, fixing to be 62 in July. Just uh, how far ahead of time do I need to contact the to, to get my Social Security and get that started? Uh, and also, once I do get Social Security, is there a maximum that I can make after that? How do I, is there a maximum or is there a, a, a guideline or a certain amount you can make or is it just, uh, yes. you can't work at all? No, there is a maximum. I have to look up what 2019's maximum is. Uh, last year it was 17444 I believe. Um, but what you're going to want to do is... Um, 
wage base. Sorry, I'm typing and talking. You see how well I do that. Anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, I would do it a couple months in advance from my understanding with other clients. I understand that that would be the case that you have to do uh, to make that work for you. And then it looks like it's a little bit over. It's like $17,500 you're going uh, to have for earnings in 2019. So if you earn that less, and remember that I think part of that earnings, let's see here, limited earnings, uh, 17, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so you don't want to earn more than that. You want to stay on the shy side of that if you want to make sure. Otherwise, two-to-one payback. So every dollar, every $2 you earn over that, you'll have to pay a dollar of Social Security benefits back. Okay, that does not include my pension, correct? That's not earning, so it should not include your pension. Okay, cool. Okay. And the uh, before you can take write-offs in 2019, the you you have a, a like you got to have up to twenty four thousand is that it um, before you can even start writing anything? That is correct. Yeah, twenty four thousand uh, two hundred, I believe. Okay, so it's a little bit higher, but yeah. So your limitations on uh, your standard deduction is going to be a little bit over twenty four thousand. All right. Well, I thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the call. All right, let's go right to the lines. We have uh, Elizabeth and then Jim. Hey, Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you, doctor, for taking my call. Thanks for holding. Um, we're novices in an owners of small business construction company that mostly is outside, so we're very weather dependent and hampered by uh, rain. And it messes up our cash flow a lot. And um, I have to sometimes take a loan from our 401K, my husband and I's 401K, to loan the business money until we can collect. The other part of the problem is that when we do commercial jobs, if another subcontractor makes a mistake, the owner of the property won't pay the general contractor until everything is correct. So we, we submit 30-day payout. And if, if something is messed up by another subcontractor, we will not be paid for 60 to 90 days, right. best case. So we have these issues with cash flow. And um, when we take money out of our 401k, of course, we always plan to replenish the entire thing. But some years, we, we can't. The business just didn't get it back in time, you know, for us to give all of it back in 60 days. Right. Is there any way that we can get some kind of, um, it's hurtful for the business, of course, but is there anything that we can get as individuals and in, in the LLC so that it's not so hard on us paying taxes. Well, I think there's two things. One, you're getting hit with possibly, I don't know if you guys are 59 and a half or not, but you're probably getting hit we with are. an early with, oh, you are? Okay, so you're just taking it yes. out, but you're still getting hit with ordinary income tax. Is a is it impossible to get yourself an operating line of credit so you're not having to use the money from um, a retirement account where, I mean... We will try, yes, and we'll try this year. We have had what on paper appeared to be a strong year. Okay. Um, the Which, of course, when we have we strong made, years means we owe more taxes to Uncle Sam, exactly. unfortunately. And the years that you've exactly. had the hardship and the loss, at least you haven't had a ton. Of, well, I mean, theoretically, by borrowing and paying back, you, you actually you know may have made money on paper, even if it didn't feel like you made money at all, um, and then yeah. having the taxes. And then are you guys paying quarterlies? No, we'll have to start doing that, I would imagine, because this year was our first year that we looked really strong. But it, 
that, but the other side of it is it sure didn't feel like it. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you probably need about to sit down and take a look yeah. at, at your cash flow. I mean, you know, if you're using QuickBooks or something, mm-hmm. you probably need to sit down with your tax person and see if you can't get yourself. I mean, it's always easy. We all, in the entrepreneur world, we, we live on a roller coaster, right? I mean, it's, it's okay. great. I mean, but the fact is somehow you've got to figure out um, if the business is going to be successful, we've got to build up enough nest egg. And this is all easy for me to say. Don't get me wrong, Elizabeth. I understand. I've been in your shoes. I built my business uh-huh. on credit cards. So I'm probably not the best person, but it did succeed. So therefore, I was okay. But bottom line coming in is that we have to sometimes borrow to keep our business and our doors open. That's that's an exception yes. that we all accept. But you need to yeah. sit down and figure out what's the long-term plan? How much do we need to have as an operating budget? Do we have enough money? Can we start setting this much aside? And, and Uncle Sam's going to be 25% of your profits, period, at least 25%. So yeah, we I need, need to, more. Yeah, yeah, we need to put mm-hmm. that into our budget to find out how much are we going to, you know, how are we going to pay that? Because you don't want him as a loan officer. He's the worst loan no. officer. So if you need help with right. that, you can certainly give us a call. It's not something that's easy to explain on the phone because we really need to look okay. at the last couple of years financial, see what see where the ups and downs are coming but we do deal a lot with um small business and construction people so if you need help with that or if you've got a good tax person just have them sit down and help you make a budget and see how close we can get to really um understanding your guys's cash flow okay okay thank you and then the other thing is um since we had a really good year all we bought was a couple of computers is there any other tax shelter approach that we should take not in your situation because so, anything you do so is going to be tax hit. deferred, and tax deferred means you have to tie up the money, which would mean you, you've just messed up any cash flow you might have, and you need right. that cash That's flow, and you'll I end thought. up borrowing back against it. So there's That's nothing more I you're going to have there, to be honest, I mean, in my opinion. Okay. okay? Okay, and then we are being asked to sell our business, and since we had a strong year, we're giving it some thought. Uh-huh. Is there any other advice you would have for us when we consider selling? Um, again, I would make taxes sure I set down everything. taxes, consider mm-hmm. what the, the tax sentiment will be on that. It'd be long-term capital gains. Are they going to pay you out? Are you carrying the note? You know, there's, and there's all kinds of different ways you can do that. But again, if okay. it's a, a high enough profit, you, you know, you're looking at 24% tax on, on long-term. So, um, yep. you know, okay. you need to make sure you know the all numbers. Right. Okay. Thanks girl. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Jim. I appreciate Jim, Jim. Hey, it's Friday. Yes. Dr. Friday. Uh, my question is, if your company has a Roth 401k option mm-hmm. and it has a company match, how does the company match go into that after-tax 401k, or do you just get charged that match on your income for that year? How does that work? You know, it's a great question. Um, most companies, in fact, I can't think of one company that does a Roth match. Um, a lot of times they'll do a match to the contribution, but it will actually go into the standard 401k and, and it won't match into the Roth side. So, okay. So it, you actually end up with two 401ks, exactly. one. Okay. Yeah. That's the okay, only way I, didn't I know, know how that works. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm far from probably being an expert in that conversation, but how else? Because otherwise the company couldn't write off the match. And why would they do yeah. that? You know, because it's after tax. So that wouldn't right. make sense. And then they get in troubles with not reporting income. So, yeah, I can only think of them doing that. Other than that, it would have to be that the employee gets charged the tax on that money as if it was gifted to them. And again, most employees aren't going to like that theory. Yeah. Okay. Right. I wondered about that. No. It just seems kind of strange. Yeah, okay. So thank thanks. you. Appreciate it. Bye. Okay. All right. We got Nancy before the break. Hey, Nance. Nancy, you there? 
Yes, yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. Hey, girl. Um, wanted to ask you a question on that name of what you and the other gentlemen were talking about. What is the maximum you can contribute to a Roth in a um, in a year? Um, I believe it's seven thousand for 2019 Roth. 2019 Roth limitations. I want. To, oh, sorry, six thousand in 2019 and 20, and then there's the additional. Um, let's see, 6,000, 20, 2019, up from 5,500 plus another thousand. So it is, it's 7,000 if you're over the age of 55, 6,000 if you're under the age of 55 or 50, excuse me, 50. So if you're 50 so right years now, old, yeah, right now, if you're 50 uh, years old, you can put six, uh, 7,000 in. If you're under, you can put 6,000. Okay. What about going forward or is that, is that the standard going forward so far? 19 for 2019 and 2020. Those numbers are the good, are good for. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. And I do want to, um, Jack, uh, what gentleman was it? I believe it was a few calls back. One gentleman was asking me about his social security. How much money can he earn in 2020? That was exactly $18,240. It's always hard when someone's on the phone for me to pull up those numbers. So again, $18,240. And then after that, you'd have to pay back $1 for every $2 you earn above social security. And the standard deduction for a married couple right now is $24,000. We're going to take a quick break. If you want to join the show, now would be the time to get the phone call. 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. All righty. We are back here live in studio. I am Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which is pretty much all I do. So if you have tax issues, maybe you haven't filed taxes in a number of years, maybe you just don't know where to start, maybe you get a ton of love letters from the IRS and you're like, oh gosh, just throw them in the drawer because I can't do anything with them anyways – but you might be able to. Maybe it'd be better if you got yourself put onto a non-collectible. Maybe your your account has been turned over to a collection agent, and you're not too sure why is this collection agency calling me about IRS debt? What is that all about? And you're just a little bit confused. Well, you need to give my office a call because that's what we do. We help people get an understanding on what their options are. Each one of you are different, so it's not like I can sit here and say, "Oh yeah, let's all go file offer and compromises," which I have seen more than one person tell me stories where they picked up the phone, called a a national number, I guess, and basically they said, oh, yeah, we can help you. This is what it's going to cost you, and you start paying us $500. Oh, can you give us 1000 down and 500 a month for the next six months, and we're going we're gonna to find out what's going on with your IRS. How can they do that if they don't know what you need first and foremost? Are they just delaying, stalling? Well, that's that's a plan, and maybe that's the direction you want to go with it. But in most cases, we want resolution. We want to be able to go forward, to be able to buy a house and know the IRS isn't going to take it. We don't want to have to be paying single and zero when you're a father or a mother of four or five because the IRS has mandated your employer to make you single and zero. What can we do to make sure that you're getting what you need and moving forward? The most important part is in compliance and then the second part is moving forward, paying your taxes the way you're supposed to. The past is the past, people. We cannot change it. But we can make changes towards the future. How do we do that and what do we need to do to make it work? And that's what we do every single day in my office. So if you've got questions like that, you can call my office 
or if you've got something on the on your mind right now and it's a question that maybe you've been dealing with the IRS and you're like, I don't know what to do. How am I supposed to get out of this? Give us a call here, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Taking your calls, talking about my favorite subject, and it is the season finally. You know, a lot of times during the season we're good, but then we hit other holidays and then we kind of forget about taxes. Well, guess what? It is time for us to start talking about my subject and making sure that you guys have the best advice or know where to go for it. So one of the things we're going to be looking at, I know with many of you, we have 12200 for a single person, 24400 for a married couple. If, if all of you are under the age of 65, if you're older, there's an additional 1300 per a married person for a married couple and 1500 if you're you're married, uh, if you're a single person. So that being said, if you have, if you don't have mortgage interest, property taxes, um, sales tax, and charitable contributions that exceed for a single person that twelve thousand two hundred dollars, or for that married couple twenty four thousand four hundred, then you may want to, you know, just start figuring out is there a way of doing this different i call it even odds one of the things you can do is every other year pay your property taxes every other year maximize your charitable contributions and you can't really do much with your mortgage um interest is interest so you're going to deal with that on it is and sales tax maybe at the same time maybe you buy something if you're going to buy a car a boat uh, something like that, you could have that additional sales tax kick in at the same time. That way, one year you'll take the standard deduction. The next year you may itemize. We can do that, and there are ways of doing it. And if you're going to think about doing your charity, think about making sure that that charitable contribution is a true legitimate 501c3 or a version of that because the IRS can turn around and say, nope, we don't think that that was one, and we're not going to let you take that deduction. You do have to have proof of payment. You have to have either a check or cash, whatever you used. You have to have documentation from the organization saying that you've paid them. And then you have to have the check showing that I cleared the bank if it was a check. I would always suggest, if it's at all possible, always use a check. It's the easiest way for us if the IRS comes back. Because I will tell you, many of my listeners here and many of my clients are extremely good givers. They they are um, very um, appreciative of what they have and sharing that information. And if that's the case then you need to make sure that you have proof of those payments because the IRS can come back and ask you if they or what they should, you know, prove that you actually had to pay it. So make sure it's a true first 501c3. You can go to the IRS.gov website, tech, uh, check on tax-exempt organizations. That name should be in there. And then next, if, you, if it is in there, then making sure that you have proof that you paid it. So if you've given them a car, you need a documentation showing that, and you need to show that you own the car. Just showing that you turned in a car but maybe it was your grandma's car how they know unless it was gifted to you and then therefore you turned it in as a as a charitable contribution it's not yours to you so you need to make sure you understand how that works if you want to join the show 615-737-9986 we're going to go right to the lines we got frank hey frank hi how are you i am awesome what's happening well got a bunch of things going on uh, i was in prison for the last 13 years okay and I got out in July, and I've been working since July, you know, oh. earning income. And uh, before that, I was an independent contractor, right. paid my quarterly estimated, uh, and I was in Kansas City at the time, so I was paying Kansas and Missouri, you know, half okay. and half, and then right. the federal. Sure. And I got a letter about a month or two ago that there's an SEP that I had started 
that I, I thought was just went away. Oh no! But it's still in existence, and I've updated that, so now it you know is in my name again. Good. You know, whatever. So I, I don't know what to do as far as. Uh, well, I mean, you're gonna, are you the, are you in Tennessee now, or are you are you? Yes, just, yeah, okay. I'm living in Nashville now. Okay, so the good news is we don't have to worry about state unless you open a business again. Then you could end up with some franchise excise or business taxes, but it's a lot different than being in a state that has an actual income tax, right? So that's okay. the, the good side. So you, right now, it sounds like you're working kind of a real job, not self-employed right now. So most of your that taxes should should be coming out of the W two. So when you file the this year. A half a year, W-2. Um, did you have anything in prison? I mean, I have clients that actually are in the system, and they actually – we do taxes every year because they get 1099 for working in the kitchen well, and stuff. I did my best to save up, and I had about 4000 that okay. I saved up while I was in prison. Okay. Uh, that's being held in an account by, by someone – no, a friend of yeah, mine. That's good. And he's getting ready to send it to me. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, um, but, I mean, so you had a little nest egg belt up, but will there be any taxes need to be paid on any of that, Frank? That, I don't know. Okay, well, we'll find <laughs> I, out I don't soon know. enough. Some, some of them, like I said, it, it's sort of silly um, because, personally, these people are obviously, anyways, 1099 and someone that's in jail does not seem like a fair concept. But that being said, they have it. So you just need to make sure the W-2 you have – Potentially, if there's any income that you earn that you need to report, put it on there, file the tax. But I think the money, most of it's just going to be that W-2 from July to December. And then are you planning on starting a new business again? The SEP obviously is going to be yours. That's a self-employed plan that you started back in the day, obviously. And that's going to stay yours. And at some point when you're self-employed again, if that's even something you want to do, um, you would actually be able to continue to contribute to that again. Okay. At that time. But right now, as an employee of somebody else, you cannot contribute to that particularly. You could do an IRA, but other than that, you can't contribute to a retirement. Right. But one of my questions is, is over that 13 years that I was incarcerated, it's been earning interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I didn't know about it. And, you nope, know, what, what, what do I do now? Nothing. nothing. It, it all grows tax-free in that account. So unless you take money oh. out of it, then there's nothing you have to do with it, Frank. Okay, that, just that just feels how ignorant I was. <laughs> no, that's right. No, it's a great question. That, that's what I appreciate. No, so it's in a retirement account. Just leave it there. Let it grow. If you do have to take the money out, make sure you take out, if you're under 59 and a half, make sure you take out at least 20% for taxes, if not a little bit more, depending on how much it is. If it is, if you're over 59 and a half, at least 12% or more, depending on the ordinary income tax. But I would okay, now- leave it in there if I can. With the employer I'm working for now, they have a 401k that I'm enrolled in. Absolutely great. Is there such a thing as rolling the SEP into this one? No. No, they're independent. You won't be able to merge the two of them until you hit the age of 65, and then theoretically they'll all turn into IRAs um, when you you get to that point. But at this point, no, you just have separate retirements. Okay. Okay? Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. No problem. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uh Bye-bye. All right, see if we can get to the two. We got Martha and then Jim. Hey, Martha. Hello. Hello, sweetie. Uh, I've been listening to you for years. Thank you. You're wonderful. Appreciate it. Well, the reason I'm calling, I'm on Social Security. Okay. And make 22000 a year. Do I have to pay income tax on any of that? So is the 22000 your Social Security benefit, or is that a pension of something else? 
No, Social Security. Okay. No, if you only have Social Security, um, there is no tax, and you do not need to file, Martha. It's tax-free. Well, thank you so much. That makes makes me feel better. No problem. And I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, let's hit Jim real quick. Hey, Jim. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you, sweetie? I got a question. In 2018, I won $1,000 from my local uh, radio station. Okay. Okay. They sent me all the forms and stuff. Uh, I filled out, sent it all in with my taxes. Okay. Now, uh, about six months ago, I got another letter from them or a thing. Somebody else, somebody else's name with my social security number. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, I tried to call them in Atlanta, and uh, I told them it was not me. So, uh, what do I do from now? Am I responsible for that because somebody else used my social security number? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You can call the tax fraud hotline. You may have tried to do that. Um, There is um, several of them. trying to see if I can actually give you that number or not. Here it is, 1-800-829-0433, 1-800-829-0433, or you can text me or call me um, Monday and I can get for you. But that's a number you're going to want to call and let them know that your identity has been stolen. Okay, 829? 0433. 0433. And what was that? Uh, 800. 800. 1-800. All right. Okay, I appreciate that. No problem. I did all my stuff, you know. Yeah, no, you did it right. But that happens very rarely, thank God. Uh, but more and more, I have more and more people telling me that they've had this kind of issue. So you you need to call them because what they're going to do is set you up with a pin so that they know anything you turn in is going to be you and anything tries to be turned in under a fraudulent number, they will, it won't have the pin. Therefore, they won't know it's, it, it'll be illegal and therefore they'll bounce it back at that person. Right. Like I said, you know, I filled it all out. You know, I filled it in my uh, income tax and everything else. And they're sending me a notice saying, you know, uh, they sent me uh, tax forms and stuff to want me to fill out, but right. that doesn't apply to me right. because... Yeah, you need to make sure they know that because otherwise they're going to assume it does and they're going to basically charge you the tax, Jim. So you make sure you call them and tell well, them that you have identity theft. Okay, I appreciate that. Thanks, sir. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. All righty, we're going to take the last break. So if you've been holding your breath and you've been wanting to call, 615-737-9986 is the number right here in the studio for the next uh, 10 minutes or so. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. We got a few people calling. We got John on hold right now, so let's hit that right first. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing, Doctor Friday? I Thanks for am... taking my call. Awesome. Thanks for calling. What can I do for you? <laughs> hey, I've uh, I've actually put too much money into my wife and myself. Uh, our our IRA uh, Roth IRAs. Uh, okay. I made I made the maximum contribution uh, for this year uh-huh. seven thousand dollars each. And um, I didn't realize I made too much uh, income to be eligible for a Roth. So I need to take that out before, is it April 15th? And if I file an extension, can I take it out all the way up to 
uh, the extended deadline. Well, in all honesty, if you've contributed now, would it work for when did you put it in first? Did you put it in this year or last year? I mean, did you make it in nineteen? Yeah, it's four nineteen. It may have been the last week of twenty eighteen, but it was that you know it was labeled for twenty nineteen. It may have been the first week of this year. I'm not sure or last year, but it's twenty nineteen. Yeah, gotcha. So. My concern is if they take the money out, I mean, it's a Roth. We all know that you can take the money out as long as the growth. The concern is that you're getting growth on that money, um, and they could basically consider that not – I mean, because you weren't allowed to put the money in the first place. Therefore, you're getting growth that is tax-deferred that is not yours. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Well, it it does make sense, but let me um, me run this by you. My uh, investing acumen is – such that I actually lost money on the deal. And the reason why I want to wait is hopefully that money, that uh, investment will come up enough to where I can pull out the 7000 I got you. I have not made any money, and I've lost money actually on it. So the, the the thing is, you according to what I'm seeing here, and I'm not a financial planner, but what I'm reading yeah. here, and I only deal with the tax penalty, you're going to be okay. subject, subjected to a 6% tax penalty, and the money basically stays in there. So um, it may be just the way that, you know, we may need to double check that with whoever your financial person is to make sure that there's no way of getting you around that. But it may be better to leave it in and let it grow by paying the penalty than to have to take the the, take that excess out. Um, You know, if there's a way of doing that, you know, tax free growth and just say, hey, we're going to pay the penalty now. Or do we have to pay the penalty and take the money out Um, if you can't find out that? that answer exactly then get back with me and i'll have hank parrot who's my financial guy he'll know the answer right on top of his head and we'll get it squared away but um see what you need to do but i think i understand what you're saying bottom line is the investment sitting there and we don't have 14 in it at the moment um that's easy enough to get out but um yeah we need to figure out which which way because bottom line says oh it says ineligible contributions trigger a six percent penalty each year until you remove the excess so we do Uh. need to take it out and we're getting, okay, you could get so, into it with a 6% penalty and then remove it this year. Pay the 6% yeah, like and then so, remove uh, it a year later. Okay. So worst case, I'm um, $840 penalty yep. and bada boom, bada bing. You got it. So yep. um, I'll, I'll get with my planner. Okay. See what we can figure out. Perfect. I appreciate Great you. question. Thanks, John. appreciate you. Oh, Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We got two callers. Let's see if we can get both of them in. We've got Johnny and then Corey. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Dr. Price, thanks for taking my call. I, I have a quick question. I've been self-employed, and I've been raising my stepdaughter's children. One of us is 21. I have one for the last uh, four years. He's 13 now, and I'm trying to figure out how to claim him on my uh, taxes because we take care of him. Uh, we get no uh, financial support, but they're saying I can't because I don't have legal guardianship. we got power of attorney, but, Okay, so know, does he live in your house? Yes, yes, ma'am. Does he... I mean, so he lives with you, and you've had him for more than six months. You do have, I mean, so from the tax standpoint, all you need to be able to do is justify what address is on his his doctor appointments, you know, when he goes to the doctor or whatever, what school records address does he have, who are the contacts. That's what the IRS is going to ask you for proof of dependent. So if you have that. that Yeah, they're the ones that told me we couldn't because, uh, well, he's homeschooled. His mom's in prison. But, uh, yeah, that's... uh, I think I would re-question that. I think, I mean, I'm not too sure who told you that, but I think you would, especially since you are the full caregiver, are you getting paid anything to take care of him? Is like, is he in the foster system and you're taking no, him as a no foster? Ma'am. No, okay. ma'am. No, okay. ma'am. Wasn't no sure. Ma'am. I just thought I'd ask. 
then theoretically you should qualify. I think it would just be a matter of proper documentation. It seems like you should have that to be able to submit it. So if they've rejected it, I think I would I would actually refile that year with documentation to prove it. Well, I appreciate it. Thank no problem. You. Thanks, Johnny. Bye. All right, let's hit Corey real quick. Hey, Corey. Hello. Um, thanks for taking the call. Sure. I'm calling with a question about the qualified business income deduction. Yeah, uh, the 199A. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a member of a partnership with my sister. I'm wondering what we would need to do to be eligible for it because it looks like it's a sizable deduction. Oh, yeah, up to 20% or of, of your gross profit or percentage of payroll, um, plus uh, if you have uh, large equipment purchases, things like that. Um, so you're a partnership, LLC? You said yeah. partner, so it's okay. So um, you're going to have – it just depends on how much money you make, but if you're each getting less than $160,000 on each side, you would automatically have a qualification assuming that the business is qualified. There would be no reason you wouldn't have the qualification unless it's an architect or a service business, and that's where the limitations come in. What, what kind of business do you do? Um, basically, we own apartments. Oh, okay. So like a real estate investment company? Yeah. Okay, REITs and all of them qualify up to 20% of profit. Yeah, we're not a REIT. It's, it's, you know, like I said, something within the family. Okay, but it's still management of real estate. So you would have your assets, payroll, or profits because you, you may have pretty good assets. So whoever's doing your taxes should be able to answer that question, but you would definitely qualify and it would pass through onto your personal tax returns. Okay. Okay. If you need more help, call me at the office, Corey, and I can give you some documentation on that to to provide to your tax person, okay? Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Bye. All right. We are exiting the show. We are live here. So if you want to do it, next Saturday I'll be here. You can reach me at 615-367-0819. Check out the web. You can also set up your tax appointment at drfriday.com. The calendar is live. Again, that is drfriday.com. Set up your tax appointment. If you've got tax questions and sometimes it's hard to reach you by phone, you can always email friday at drfriday.com. Or again, on my website, drfriday.com, click on question and you can ask it right through the website. Hope you guys have a wonderful Saturday. As always. Copulator.